I'm Ashley C. Ford, and this is Into the Mix, a Ben and Jerry's podcast about joy and justice, produced with Vox Creative. Let's get into it. I would cut out huge paper characters and cover the kitchen with it. And my father, he he actually built um, a whole hanging system in my house so that I could hang all my art. My mom would just be like, oh my God, she's taking over the house. My parents really wanted to keep me busy. Fabiana Rodriguez's parents used her natural creativity to keep her inside and away from the violence outside their door, both from gangs and police. Her family lived in a house in the Fruitvale neighborhood of Oakland, California, which saw an enormous amount of organizing in the 70s and 80s, from the Chicano movement, from labor organizers, from the Black Panthers, and others. This was also the beginning of the war on drugs. I had to live a very uh, sheltered childhood. I found culture as a place where I could escape and imagine something different. Fabiana turned her art making into a career. Today, her work spans city buildings. She paints enormous murals full of bright colors that often feature portraits of regular people. And she makes posters with slogans like, migration is beautiful. There is so much power coming from this one person and her creations, which have often been a response to the injustices she's seen around her. Her work is not just something pretty to look at. It has to be around naming the pain of what has been caused as a result of systemic racism. I believe that, you know, through my art, I'm actually able to name and say and express myself as a storyteller, because fundamentally, that's what I am. I want to start with the foundation. What was it like growing up Fabiana in East Oakland in the 80s and 90s? I didn't feel safe. And my parents didn't always feel safe. I have memories of um, gangs. I have memories of getting on the bus and just really wanting to get from school to home because I didn't really like what I saw. The cops would racially profile the black and brown youth, right? And those were my friends. And I knew that they were not doing anything, right? And so I saw these injustices. And I was like, you know, why is it that these three brown kids hanging out, like, automatically get gang affiliated, which then allows them to be arrested? That experience really politicized me because I learned early on as a kid just sheer inequality. I also experienced activism and I saw posters in the street. I saw activists organizing against police brutality. Uh, I saw murals and I saw the birth of hip hop. Fabiana still lives in the same neighborhood, in the same house where she grew up. 
When we spoke, she was sitting in a light-filled room of that home. I could see a huge tangle of plants behind her, reaching upwards toward the light. I could see her artwork framed on the wall, hanging over two couches, one pink and one bright blue. It's a house that holds many truths at once, and many colors too. It's the house really where um, I experienced massive change in Oakland. Sorry, it's very loud. See, this is, this is, this is the classic <laughs> Oakland right here. The, the trash dude is also um, my neighbor. And so when he passes through this block, he blasts the cumbias and the rancheras <laughs> just to let everyone know he's here. Um, so he's here taking my recycling, which, by the way, I'm also on the recycling truck. <laughs> really? There's an image of me recycling. Telling, Are you serious? You know, yeah, I, I, I'm like, I'm an environmentalist too, so. <laughs> How wild is that to see? It's wild. Okay, this is a great example right here of how Faviana is a perfect product of her environment. She deeply believes in the power of art to nudge change in the right direction. She's devoted her life's work to it and even lent her image to it. This is what she saw around her. Growing up, she saw artists and activists join forces. They used murals and posters as tools for action. She takes inspiration from artists she's met and ones she's studied. I learned about Frida Kahlo through uh, my different mentors. I did not learn about her in school. And when my teachers would notice that I was very creative and I would ask about what it meant to be an artist, they would talk to me about Picasso and Rembrandt and Monet and all these white dudes. Frida's art was very feminist. Um, it was very counterculture and was also very Mexican. And to see her color palette and also see the subjects that she painted about were very empowering. Emory Douglas's work was also inspiring to her. In the late 60s, Emory Douglas, a graphic artist, became the Minister of Culture for the Black Panthers, which is maybe the coolest job I've ever heard of in my entire life. The Panthers were actually founded in Oakland not too long before Faviana was growing up and coming into her own as an artist. You can see the influence in her work. Faviana is a printmaker, just like Emory. Her art is more full of color, but both include portraits of regular people alongside bold statements or slogans. Fabiana's art is the kind of work that jumps off the page. If you Google Fabiana Rodriguez's art, I'm pretty sure you will feel like it's coming at you and possibly like it belongs in your home. I know personally, I think a few of these belong in my home and I'm gonna work on that, but I digress. Okay, back to the point. Like the Panthers and Frida Kahlo, Fabiana used her work as a tool for change. Another really interesting thing is how her work shifted over time. That first decade in the 2000s, a lot of my art was very in your face. It was no art. It was stop the evictions, stop the deportations, you know, smash capitalism. And that's simply the tradition that I came from. 
that's how it was. And so I, I stayed in that place. And then um, something shifted for me and it happened around immigrant rights. After the break, we'll get into how Fabiana's work shifted to focus on healing and pleasure. As I was growing up, I was I had I heard no a lot. Like keep your legs closed. Don't go out. Uh, don't talk to a boy. Um, don't beep out past this time. And it's really a survival mechanism. It was just very pain-oriented narratives, and I call them no narratives. So then how do we normalize the opposite? How do we normalize exchanges about pleasure activism and centering joy in our experiences, our art, ultimately our lives? So I realized that the way that we would get encouraged to participate was a little bit through um, this uplifting of an idea that we need to be part of a struggle, right? You got to join the struggle. You have to um, uh, serve the people. I mean, these are all slogans that were that were a part of the lexicon at that time, and. What we know now is that nobody wants to struggle forever. And, and I actually think it's a very um, feminist perspective, and especially a Black feminist perspective, to actually prioritize care for our bodies and our minds and our soul. It's not just about what we say no to, but we have to know what we say yes to. Can you tell me what the yes frame is? The yes frame is a way of embodying, naming, and working towards how we would like to live as human beings in the world. And when we do that through the lens of the yes, we get more curious and specific around what does a yes really look like? When I grew up wanting to be an artist, I always thought I would be a painter. I thought that I would make these beautiful paintings that would you know, live in these museums and they would be these really hard to get paintings. And then Emery taught me that my art did not have to live in these elite places, that my art could live in a newspaper, it could live as a copy of something that just got plastered everywhere. It could live as a poster. I make things that can be multiplied and exist in many different places at once. And even, you know, the pint that I did with Pecan Resist, it's my art on something that is going to be reproduced thousands of times. Can you talk to me a little bit about this project um, you did with Ben and Jerry's where you came up with the the pecan pint, even though some people would say pecan, but I, I think it's pecan pint. That's what I'm it's going with. pecan resist. Yes. 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 Um, it was the beginning of the Trump administration. And of course, we all hated Trump. 
And so I was saying, what what are we trying to do here? Like what 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 are the the feelings that we want to evoke? What is our yes? How do we want to show power? The pint features this young girl of color, and she's she has purple hair, and you know she's surrounded with all of these nature, these beautiful plants, and there's a beautiful sky with birds in it. Which you know, Fabiana again, uses nature imagery in a lot of her work. There's one piece in particular I'm thinking of, a poster she made in 2018 when the previous admin was restricting immigration and just violating families and children. Fabiana made a piece of work to respond to that. Yeah, and it's um, a poster that has these beautiful yellow sun rays coming out in all directions. And at the center of the poster is this huge, massive monarch butterfly. And in the wings are two human faces looking at each other. Um, And then there's words in black that say migration is beautiful. Monarch butterflies actually cross borders. They cross borders from the U.S., through Mexico, through Canada, and back. We need to reclaim that there is a beauty in migration because it's meant to symbolize that people migrate out of love. They usually migrate to find each other, to reunite with their families, and to really become the best version of themselves. And they go through a transformation that they can't go back to. You know, it's not just about the art. I get to be witnessed. And being witnessed is transformative. It means that my story will, it's released, it's out there, and it's going to help shape something. You know, and that's that's the power of the story. I love that. Fabiana, I can't thank you enough for your time, for your work. I think anytime you start talking, people should be listening because there is so much good in there. I I love it. Thank you. Ben and Jerry's has been hard at work since collaborating with Fabiana on Pecan Resist. That flavor that took the Trump administration to task for attacks on decades of progress. Progress that had been made for racial and gender equity, climate change, LGBTQ rights, and refugee and immigrant rights. All these issues have been at the core of the company's social mission for 40 years. The flavor highlighted the work of four partners in particular, Color of Change, Honor the Earth, NETA, and Women's March, all groups that have continued working on advancing policies that see the world through a yes lens. Ben & Jerry's latest work is centered on issues of public safety. They seek to build safer communities by investing in critical community services, not broken systems of policing. Learn more and take action in support of the People's Response Act, a piece of legislation that seeks to redefine public safety through an inclusive, holistic, and health-centered approach. Check out action.benjerry.com change. That's action.benjerry, not Ben and Jerry's, dot com slash change.
Into the Mix is a Ben and Jerry's podcast produced by Vox Creative and ABF Creative. The Vox Creative team includes executive producer Anu Subramanian, creative producer Jessica Glazer, production coordinator Veronica Guiti, and production manager Taylor Henry, and associate director of client success Ryan Phelan, with additional assistance from Gabi Grossman. The team from ABF Creative includes head of production Wanda Reynolds, executive producer Anthony Frazier, and producer Mike Biseglia. This episode was written by Ken Miles. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Chris Mann, assisted by Jean-Claude Canal. Original music by Israel Tutson, fact-checking by Girl Friday Productions. The Ben and Jerry's team includes Jay Tandon, Jay Curley, Emily D'Alessandro, and Chris Miller. I'm Ashley C. Ford. Thanks for listening. 